We often suffer from acrasia, weakness of will. So we become good people the way we become good tennis players or violinists. Through practice until the behavior we aspire to becomes natural and instinctive. Being moral means acquiring the habits of the heart we call virtue. In the modern age, Kant thought that what makes us moral is reason, understood in a particular way, An act is right if we can prescribe it as a universal rule. We shouldn't tell lies because if everyone did, no one would trust us and the practice of communication on which lying depends would be undermined. Immorality is a kind of self-contradiction. Reason allows us to think our way through to virtue. David Hume and Adam Smith thought that reason alone can't provide our fundamental motives for action, feelings, or emotions. What Hume called the passions do that. What makes us moral are the feelings we have with and for others. As Adam Smith put it in the opening sentence of the theory of moral sentiments, how selfish soever man may be supposed... There are evidently some principles in his nature which interest him in the fortune of others and render their happiness necessary to him, though he derives nothing from it except the pleasure of seeing it. Whether through neuroscience or biochemistry, mirror neurons or oxytocin, we have a moral sense. The obvious question, though, on all these theories is this. If being moral is so straightforward, if knowledge, habit, character, reason, and emotion all point the way to the right and the good, how is it that people have throughout the ages lied, cheated, robbed, stolen, insulted, offended, oppressed, exploited, and killed? This is Darwin's question from the opposite direction. If we're so good, why are we so bad? The third starting point, a religious one, is one with which this book began. How is it that people kill in the name of the God of life, wage war in the name of the God of peace, hate in the name of the God of love, and practice cruelty in the name of the God of compassion? How, if we are the image of God, do we so often harm the work of God, especially our fellow humans? The answer in its essentials was given by Darwin himself. In The Descent of Man, he wrote, There can be no doubt that a tribe including many members who, from possessing in high degree the spirit of patriotism, fidelity, obedience, courage, and sympathy, were always ready to aid one another and to sacrifice themselves for the common good, would be victorious over most other tribes, and this would be natural selection. We are social animals. We hand on our genes as individuals, but we survive only in groups. Nor is this unique to humans. Ants, bees, and most mammals scout, feed, and live in groups. In the wild, the individual separated from the group is essentially dead. The lone individual is the one that gets eaten by the lion. Supremely, This is the evolutionary advantage of Homo sapiens. We are the most effective of all life forms in creating and sustaining groups. We are the most social of animals. Indeed, according to many biologists, it was for the sake of enhancing this ability 
that we developed language. It's also the reason for our prodigious brain size, a full 300% larger than our evolutionary ancestors. We cooperate and we compete. We cooperate in order to compete. One man will not survive against a lion, but ten or a hundred might if they formed an effective team. Their greatest danger would then be posed not by a predator, but by another human group in pursuit of the same scarce resources, food, shelter, and territory. The stronger the group, the more chance it has against rivals. In the Darwinian struggle to survive, the most cohesive team, adept at coordinating its various talents and tasks, will live to fight another day. It follows that we have two sets of instincts, honed and refined by many centuries.